when have you found yourself tossing and turning and pulling at the covers? I know there are many things that have kept me up at night, things that have kept me awake and wondering, asking myself the questions, what if, why not, how come, why me, and what next? All of us have unmet needs, things that we wish were done or given to us by those we love and know, things we wish we had the courage to accomplish while there was still some time left. But we all know that life isn't that easy. We don't always get our hopes met or we do the things that distance ourselves from others around us. And often enough, we keep silent. We twist and turn, finding ourselves terribly awake with clear memories of where things went wrong, where things were not as we imagined, where relationships with ourselves and others were broken. These memories can be pushed away and forgotten for a time, but they almost always resurface when it is the least convenient. Now, I'm not sure about you, but there are things that are heavy on my heart even in this moment. They will keep me awake at night. They will keep me pacing or keep me looking for things to do, moments to fill with busy work and a desperate desire to simply learn to forget for just a little longer. Most of these memories involve times in my life when I messed up, where I was unkind, lacking in compassion, and my heart was hardened. I don't quite remember where I learned to be that way, and really how many of us can pinpoint those things that make us so undeniably human. I can, however, remember where some of these things started to begin. Elementary school wasn't all that bad, even if I was an outsider. I was skinnier, tall, and I was fascinated with science fiction and fantasy, and my hair was much redder then. Really, it was. (laughs) I learned to grow accustomed to the many wonderful nicknames people would offer me on a daily basis. Carrot Top, Flame Head, Big Red, the list went on and on. And my favorite out of all of these nicknames was Ginger Snap. And no, you can't call me that one. (laughs) I grew up being told that it was okay to be myself no matter what. In an elementary school, you can somehow get away with that. But not always. Being a child in any generation is met with challenges. Do you look the right way, act the right way, have the right interests, wear the right clothes, throw in a measure of difference that cannot be easily changed as a child like hair color, and you can be an outcast to many. So, when I met another tall, skinny redhead in school, we of course became fast friends. Mike and I were inseparable. We looked like brothers. We acted like brothers. People thought we were brothers. We were the best of friends. And so our friendship grew and we continued enduring our elementary school years together. We shared our interests, shared the latest redheaded nickname that we both earned had arguments about only the things that kids have arguments about and looked toward middle school with great anticipation. We thought things would get better there, wouldn't they? Things would be better there, of course. At least that's how we thought it worked. Our friendship continued at the beginning of middle school, and then, as things happen, the friendship ended, abruptly and without warning. And it was all my fault. My family had been enduring significant turmoil the summer before, and 
Without really knowing it, I began to push people away. It was my way of coping with things that I had no control over. So I destroyed friendship after friendship, and in that process, I lost my best friend, too. The red-headed brothers, Brian and Mike, were no more. Now, of course, looking back, I realize kids do things that they regret. It's part of the learning process. It's how we try to prepare ourselves, at least we hope, or at least that's what we tell ourselves when we're adults, how to become adults. If we're lucky, we learn from those mistakes. But in looking back at my childhood, the greatest regret I ever had was losing my best friend. I would occasionally revisit how I pushed him away, how I wish I knew better, and I would wonder if he could ever forgive me. But I let that wondering remain as just that, wondering. I never took action to find out, to reconnect, to say sorry, and be forgiven. It is one of those enduring human needs to start fresh and find a second chance, but it is also an enduring human impulse to put things off over and over again. Over 17 years later, this past summer actually, I found myself wide awake in the middle of the night. I had just woken from a dream where I saw my old friend. He confronted me, told me how I had hurt him, and then offered me forgiveness. I couldn't sleep for the rest of that evening. The burden of what I knew needed to be done wouldn't be forgotten this time. The need to reconnect and lay my burdens down to take that first step was tearing away at my heart. It's amazing how easily you can find people these days. (laughs) Especially when you're motivated. A simple search online and most people are just one click away. And there he was. I had to build up the courage to reach out, and I debated whether or not it was useful. I talked myself in and out of doing it. And finally, I sent a message. And I wrote it in such a way that I was ready for rejection. I was ready to have been forgotten, ready to be greeted with anger and disappointment. And I think I covered all of the bases. Now, let me know. I don't know if this is just a distinctly Midwestern trait or not, but it's funny how you find yourself needing to apologize for apologizing in the first place. (laughs) And really, I believe that stems from no one wanting to be rejected, especially in moments where we know we messed up and we need some small measure of personal salvation. A couple weeks later, I received my response. And you know what he did? He forgave me. He forgave me even though it was years ago. He forgave me even though he remembered the pain. He forgave me. From that forgiveness, a weight was lifted, and I didn't know whether to cry or laugh, and I think I did both. It is something to reach out and reconcile ourselves to those we have disappointed But it feels like we are told left and right that we need to just move on and forget. You hear it all the time. What's done is done. Get over it. What I imagine is that doing to ourselves and our way of reconnecting with others. How can we learn not to forget and to be more open and honest and forgiving and seeking forgiveness? I can't help but wonder, what would have happened if I had taken that first step toward forgiveness years earlier? Would it have turned out the same? I can never really know the answer to that. But I regret not finding out sooner. 
So, ask yourselves, where in your life have you been wanting to take that first step? Where have you found yourself needing to make things right? What I found in this experience is that it is not about courage, though you need a lot of courage to start. It is not about having resolve, though you need to commit to following through. It's not about feeling good or clearing clearing your conscience, though that can undoubtedly happen. What this experience taught me is that it is all about letting go. It's about letting go for myself and, in many instances, for the ones I have harmed. This first step, this risk we take when we reach out to people we have broken relationships with, leads to a moment of salvation. And this is not salvation where the heavens open up, angels come flying down, and God commands you. This is not that type of salvation. It is a personal salvation. It is a simpler salvation. It's a saving moment that keeps us from tossing and turning in the evening, from leaving difficult things unsaid. It keeps us from ignoring the pain of the past and allows us to embrace ourselves as human with all of our emotions our mistakes, our hopes, our needs, and our connections with others. Now I realize, and I'm going to let you know, failure is an option. Rejection will come and we might leave a situation wondering why on earth did we decide to do that in the first place. But that is part of the power in confronting those nagging mistakes that wake us up or keep stampeding into our lives time and time again. Rejection may happen, Or perhaps we will be surprised. And through that, we can walk away knowing we made the effort to reach out and reach for that saving moment. But all we need to do is stop pretending that we've forgotten and take that first step. So what is required of all of us here today in these pews? To start... I ask you to search your hearts for the faces of people in your lives where you need to make things right. People from your past, people in your present, or even maybe people right now here in this meeting house. I've not been here at First Parish very long, but I have heard whispers of things, conflicts that are long past. And how can you not have them? We've been here for over 300 years. There are conflicts from that very beginning. There are conflicts from a couple years ago. There are conflicts from yesterday. They are here. And no doubt, difficult conversations and apologies still need to be had. Our faith as Unitarian Universalists calls us to be more compassionate, more loving, and more honest in our day-to-day living. But it is not just in our relationships with others or with this congregation. It's in our relationship with ourselves as well. Had I not forgiven myself for pushing people away, first and foremost, I would have never really reached out to Mike, that best friend from years ago. I would still be holding on to that memory with the deepest of doubts. I would be letting it creep back into my life and carry away a piece of my soul every single time. But the values and hopes we affirm here every day, the doors of this meeting house are open, every hour that the bell of this church rings to let Concord know that the day is way too short, These values and hopes require us to be mindful of one essential task. A faith like ours is here to help heal the disconnection in ourselves and others. And this is no simple task. It will take generations upon generations of people to see it realized. 
I'm sad to say, but we can begin here, right now, in this room. Don't you deserve to let go of things that you have done to others? Aren't you worthy of being compassionate and loving with yourself? There is no compassion in sitting in silence, wondering how things might have been, letting things creep back into our minds time and time again. There is a better way. And it is in the risk we take when we reach out, sometimes fumbling, trembling, and doubting ourselves, and hoping to reconnect with someone along the way. We all have people in our lives, memories of things long past, that we need to revisit. It's natural for us to keep putting them off. I love to put them off. And it's natural for us to hesitate. It's natural for us to think that it will be just fine if we just forget, if we put it off one more day. And it's not that we necessarily lack compassion or courage. It is a trembling thing to take that first step toward anything that is unknown. That takes great courage. That takes great compassion for yourself. We will ask ourselves questions about rejection. We'll anticipate anger. What if the person rejects me? We will think it might not matter that much at all to the person if we need to reconnect again. And I'm sure many of you right now are thinking of someone in particular in your life. How will they respond? Will they reject you? Will they welcome you back with open arms? Will they forgive you? Will you forgive them? What will happen? The thing to ask ourselves when we are trembling and fumbling toward a decision like this is what is the alternative? What is it that you will hold on to and what will that do to you for the rest of your life? Is there anything to be lost in taking a risk and reaching out to someone? I like to think not. In the very least, knowing the truth about whether or not forgiveness is possible is the end result. It allows you to let go, and it leads to an opening of awareness. By seeking to reconcile ourselves with those we have harmed, we learn about how we affect the world and all of those around us. Here in Unitarian Universalist congregations, we talk a lot about the beloved community. What's important to remember is that the, that beloved community, that image, that ideal that we have of how the world ought to be, is not easy and it never will be. It sounds wonderful and nice and perfect, and sometimes it is just too perfect to even imagine. The hard parts often get left out. The moments where you need to admit to someone you messed up. The moments where you need to say, I forgive you, or welcome back, friend. We don't hear much about those when we talk about the beloved community. But being in right relationship, having a moment where we take the risk to forgive and be forgiven, is part of that community that we all hope for, that heaven on earth that our ancestors preached about so fiercely. Why else are we here today in these pews? There's one more thing that I learned about asking forgiveness from my long-lost best friend. I learned that I need to do it again. And I will, again and again and again. I will be taking that first step. I will be reaching out, trying to make things right. And it's going to happen for as long as I live. And I'm thinking of few people right now. And I wonder if you are as well. So I challenge you, all of you, each and every one of you here today, who will you reach out to? 
how will you take that first step? Either way, from such an experience, you will learn something about yourself and you will be empowered to do it again and again. Now, the alternative is to just keep forgetting, to keep tossing and turning, pulling at the covers, letting things remain unsaid. But something tells me that that is not a healthy way to go about our lives. It is not good for us as a people of faith or really for anyone to live like that. The author Anne Lamott tells us, faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness, and the discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. The good news is that you, each and every one of you, can bring some light to the darkest of moments. To those places in our lives where we are disconnected from others, you can bring light. We can bring light to ourselves by being more compassionate and loving. We can bring light to those we have harmed by reaching out and making things right. We can bring light to this place, to first perish and conquered every day by being ourselves and not always pretending everything is okay. So in the weeks to come, or perhaps even in the days to come, or maybe even in coffee hour right after the service, reach out to someone that you are disconnected from. Reach out perhaps trembling and stumbling and doubting and simply talk. Ask for forgiveness if it is needed. Offer forgiveness if it is asked. Be the beginning of that beloved community that we all hope for right here, right now, in this moment. Let this be our hope today and in all days. Blessed be. Amen.